You're listening to the Full and Thriving Podcast, a place where courageous women come to break free from food obsession, heal their relationship with their body, and strive to live a life that's present, lighthearted, and meaningful. If you're listening, my wish is that this podcast serves as a catalyst that inspires you to nourish your body, nurture your mind, and energize your spirit. I'm your host, Meg McCabe, a certified life coach and eating disorder recovery coach with a PhD in having a good time. Just kidding about that last part. Anyway, thank you so much for listening and enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. (laughs) Welcome to another episode of the show. I am coming at you from Connecticut as usual, but today I have COVID. Yay. I'm just kidding. I do have COVID. It's not that bad, but I might sound a little stuffy to you. Maybe not. Symptoms have been completely mild, so I've been super lucky with that. And I just spent the weekend being very relaxed and chill. I watched Lord of the Rings with Dan, which was really fun. He had never seen it before. This morning, instead of going to my spin class, which I like to do maybe twice a week, I decided to sleep in because Tuesdays I don't see one-on-one clients. I have my lovely Macintosh candle going, so the basement smells really nice, and I am chilling. It's, It's a nice, relaxed day. The Recovery Collective is in full swing. We just welcomed a bunch of new members into the community and doors are closed again. So I can kind of sit back and relax now that we've welcomed everyone in and I can focus on getting to know the new members and, you know, doing the podcast and doing the Megan Ann Claire show and not so much marketing. So that is nice. But anyway, today I wanted to talk about something that I think is super difficult for people in recovery, and that is the mental torture that eating disorders bring upon us. So this episode, I'm going to talk about the six ways you can break free from eating disorder thoughts. Because as we know, recovery, there are multiple parts to recovery. There's healing your body, and then there's also healing your mind, and then also there's healing your spirit a little. But The mind piece can feel a lot like all-consuming mental obsession and preoccupation about food and body. And it can also be this emotional roller coaster where small changes with food can really ruin your day. The number you see on the scale could ruin your day. Those of you listening, I'm sure, can relate. So most of the time when someone comes to me for a coaching consultation, One of the most common goals articulated, first and foremost, is the need for this mental freedom. People want to break free from their eating disorder thoughts. So on average, humans actually think about 70,000 thoughts per day. And believe me, these aren't 70,000 original thoughts. Many of these are thoughts on loop. And when I had an eating disorder, I remember sincerely asking myself, what percentage of my thoughts are dominated by my eating disorder? Like if I could categorize my thoughts as eating disorder thoughts, 
what percentage of those are in that category? And honestly answering that, it seemed like about 90% of my thoughts were dominated by food and body and weight loss. And this was in probably my senior year of high school, where I could have been thinking about my goals and aspirations for college. I could have been thinking about prom or boys or friendships, but 90% of my brain during that beautiful time in life was focused on food and body. And that is so sad to me. So if you were to ask yourself this question, what percentage of my thoughts are dominated by my eating disorder, what would your answer be? And there's no judgment. Maybe it's 100%. Maybe it's 50%. Even honestly, anything more than maybe 5 or 10% is probably too much. Uh, food isn't meant to be something you are obsessed with and focused on unless you are a chef or maybe a dietitian. So anyways, one of the reasons why recovery is so hard is because when you have an eating disorder, you have suddenly become a human being that is divided into two parts. Of course, there are other multiple parts of you, but the main parts in eating disorder recovery is there's an authentic, healthy self inside of you that wants to get better and knows there's more out there for you than this food obsession. And then there's the eating disorder self, which is the part of you that's currently obsessed with food, criticizing your body, beating you up for eating the wrong thing, etc. The eating disorder part has many valid reasons for existing. And I know you're probably like, really? But usually the eating disorder is created out of some sort of need that you don't know how to get any other way. So it might have been created to keep you feeling safe, or maybe your eating disorder helps you feel in control, or maybe it helps you feel special. So when we think about it, the eating disorder self originated with some sort of need in mind. However, things have gone too far, and it's time to put that part of you back in check and let your healthy self gain the power in your life again. So when a person decides to start the recovery process, it's usually because they've started to see that this eating disorder part is actually causing more harm than good, and they want a better life. So the recovery process is not just about choosing recovery. It's actually the decision to stop letting this eating disorder run your life. And this is why eating disorders are so hard to live with, because you have multiple parts of you competing for separate things. Both parts of you think they have your best interest in mind. Your eating disorder wants you to stay sick, and keep dieting, and to stay as thin as possible, most likely, so it feels more accepted, loved, in control. While your healthy self wants and knows that there is something better out there for you, which means you could be one day free from disordered eating, free from body obsession, surrounded by love, and part of you wants to break free and live free from this food and body obsession, while the other part of you wants to stay sick. So what I often see in recovery is that people will heal their body. Sometimes the body actually heals first. Maybe you restore the weight. Maybe you are re-nourished and your body's functions are restored. Maybe you have your period back and your hair, skin, and nail health and your heart health and your brain health is feeling 
energized again and healthy, you are back physically. However, the mental part can still be sick. And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck because on the outside, everybody thinks, oh, hooray, you're better. But on the inside, you still have that mental anguish. And I know so many folks feel misunderstood when they are stuck in this place. And we have to remember that eating disorders are not just a physical illness. They're categorized as a mental illness for a reason. And that's because these eating disorder thoughts are on loop. They're dominating your life. They're controlling your behaviors. And they're ultimately harming you. It's like being in an abusive relationship, honestly. I remember feeling like my eating disorder was just constantly hurting me. And I wanted out so bad. So on top of feeling really misunderstood because maybe your body's healed, but mentally you're still stuck, there's also that problem, which is thoughts become automated. So if you've had an eating disorder for a substantial amount of time, those thoughts that you have had for maybe years or decades just pop into your head, even if you're far into recovery or recovered, they might just come back. And a true sign of healing and reaching full recovery is when these thoughts might pop into your head, but you know that you do not have to listen to them and you do not engage in behaviors that would lead you down the eating disorder path again. So without further ado, here are six ways to break free from eating disorder thoughts. So number one, if this is a new concept to you, I want you to first get clear on what your eating disorder voice sounds like. To start, I highly recommend just maybe carrying a notebook with you or a little notes part on your phone where you start to become more aware of your eating disorder thoughts and actually write them down when you hear them throughout the day. And consider this an observational study. We don't need to do anything about them right away, but building awareness is really step one. So when you get clear on what your eating disorder sounds like, I want you to start noticing what are its common phrases? What are its most common attacks? What is the tone of your eating disorder voice? Does it speak at a certain volume? And again, this is all in your brain, right? This is all happening inside of you. So how do you feel emotionally when you hear your eating disorder voice? How do you feel in your body when that voice is present? And also, just a side note here, if you feel confused on whether a thought is an eating disorder thought or a healthy self-thought, I'm going to put myself on a limb and that say close to 100% of the thoughts you're confused about are usually eating disorder thoughts because the eating disorder likes to gaslight you. And that really means your eating disorder likes to confuse you so that it can stay present in your life, right? There's a part of you that wants to protect the ED. So usually that confusion keeps the eating disorder there. But anyway, really get clear on what your eating disorder voice sounds like and the emotions that are connected to it. So maybe you don't necessarily hear what it's saying all the time, but you feel those emotions first. 
that is a red flag that the eating disorder might be present, right? So remember, emotions communicate just as loudly as those inner thoughts do. And the emotions might come up or you might notice the feelings in your body first before you hear the thought, and that is okay. But number one, very easy, doesn't need a ton of elaboration, is get clear on what that eating disorder voice sounds like in your head and what it says. And by the way, the more you do this, the more you realize that eating disorder is very unoriginal and it is not as intelligent or as scary as you think it is. It's going to say the same stuff over and over again. Okay, this brings me to tip number two on how to break free from eating disorder thoughts. And this is paramount to eating disorder recovery coaching. This is a tool I use with all of my clients, and that is dialoguing. And this was something I was taught to by Carolyn Costin. It's definitely a tool that any Carolyn Costin eating disorder recovery coach will teach you. So, what is dialoguing? Basically, it is a conversation between your eating disorder voice and your healthy voice in which you use your healthy voice to challenge your eating disorder thoughts. So you are intentionally fighting those thoughts, right? You are going to battle with those thoughts. And I encourage my clients to write out their dialogues almost like it is a film script on paper and you take turns hearing each part of you back and forth. So I love dialoguing because it's an awesome way to essentially hand your healthy self the mic, maybe for the first time ever. Usually, clients who start dialoguing, they know exactly what the eating disorder says in response to everything the healthy self says. However, the more you do this, the more you are strengthening your healthy self, and you are practicing arguing against the eating disorder voice. So if you write this dialogue back and forth on a piece of paper, it's like going to a sports practice, right? It's like you get better the more you do this at challenging the eating disorder so that maybe one day in the moment when you have an eating disorder thought, you can engage in a dialogue in the moment. And I teach my clients many tools on how to challenge their eating disorder voice related to dialoguing. And I'm not going to go into those tools into this episode, but I do want to say that dialoguing is an essential part of breaking free from those eating disorder thoughts. And I also want to add here that it's really eye-opening when you start to reread these dialogues because you start to see exactly what your eating disorder voice really is. And that is just a scared, fearful part of you that is willing to say pretty much anything to scare you into getting its way and staying in your life. Because remember, the eating disorder was developed to serve you in some way, whether or not that was conscious or unconscious. So the goal of dialoguing is to bring awareness to your thoughts and practice developing the healthy self-thoughts that legitimately challenge your eating disorder. So that might be using logic or asking questions or connecting to the big picture or giving yourself some compassion. Anyway, the more you dialogue, the more accessible the healthy self-voice becomes. 
And at first, it might only be accessible when writing things out, but eventually the hope is that you can access the healthy self in your head in the moment and challenge the eating disorder when you feel tempted to use an eating disorder behavior to cope. I probably should create an entire episode on dialoguing, and I'm sure I will soon, actually, because there's so much I could say about this. But my final tip for dialoguing is that you must end each dialogue you practice. So say you're writing out a dialogue, you must end with your healthy self-statement. So try to end powerfully. Never let the eating disorder self win. When writing out dialogues, you can take pages and pages and pages if you have to, to finish the back and forth. Usually your eating disorder always has something more to say, especially in the beginning. So it's okay to get everything out in a dialogue until you feel comfortable that the healthy self has won the argument. And if you find that your healthy self is saying stuff, but you're not really connected to what it's saying, that's okay. Hold on to hope that eventually these thoughts will become stronger for you and that the healthy self will start to be more believable over time. And of course, if you are feeling super stuck with this, I offer one-on-one coaching to help my clients learn how to strengthen their healthy inner voice. So you can always reach out to me for a consultation if you'd like or any other eating disorder recovery coach out there who was certified by Carolyn Costin. So we are equipped to help you strengthen your healthy self-voice through dialoguing. Okay, that was number two. Number three, so my third tip on how to break free from eating disorder thoughts is to use affirmations. So first of all, some of you might be wondering, what is an affirmation? Basically, an affirmation is a positive statement that you want your brain to believe. Keyword, want your brain to believe. Affirmations can be listened to or written down, or they can be read, and they are the positive thoughts that you want to train your brain into thinking down the road. So you don't have to believe them right now, but you have the intention of taking them on as a belief. So an example might be the affirmation, I am worthy. Or another example of an affirmation is, I am capable. Another example is, I am destined to experience good things in life. Or I know that recovery is my destiny, right? These might not be things you believe right now, but they are positive statements that you hold on to because you want to believe them yourself. So affirmations can sometimes rub people the wrong way because they might clash with your existing thoughts. So for instance, if you feel innately unworthy of recovery, hearing the affirmation, I'm worthy of recovery, might clash with your current internal sense of the world. So when you're listening to affirmations or working with affirmations, know that it's okay if you don't fully believe them yet. Think of them as thoughts that you're striving to have They're a tool to retrain and rewire your brain to think differently. I personally love listening to affirmations while I cook, clean, drive, and shower. And I have to tell you, it is great to listen to affirmations while multitasking. You do not have to give 
affirmations, your undivided attention. You do not have to sit still and meditate on them. Of course you could, but you can do stuff while listening to affirmations, and you are essentially allowing your brain to absorb the positive thoughts consciously or unconsciously. And after listening to affirmations enough, you start to hear certain ones pop up in your brain throughout the day. And they also, so say you're listening to these affirmations, say it's a, an audio recording. If you're used to doing that, when you do have a negative eating disorder thought pop in your brain, it makes that ED thought feel so obvious and so uncomfortable and unhealthy to you. You notice them and you want to eject them out of your mind and swap them out for something more positive that you want to believe. So if you think recovery affirmations will help you, I actually have 200 eating disorder recovery affirmations on audio that you can listen to to strengthen your healthy self. So those are in the link in the show notes. I highly recommend you download those. Those are completely free and just give it a try. And side note, I did write those affirmations five years ago before I was even completely certified as a coach. So they, you know, I kind of giggle at that. You can kind of hear that they're recorded in my living room and it's not the perfect audio, but I still get really great feedback from people about this free downloadable affirmations audio. And it seems to be continuously helping people get through recovery. So definitely download those if you haven't already. Okay, number four for how to break free from eating disorder thoughts is to surround yourself with recovery-oriented voices or recovery-focused voices. And I say this a lot, you're truly the average of all the people you surround yourself with. For some reason, people like to say you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I don't believe that because we all have social media and there are people we're not spending time with who have major influence on our lives. So think about where you are getting your messages about the world from right now. And are these people helping your recovery or hurting it? And are the people you're surrounding yourself perpetuating the messages of diet culture? And if so, you need to change your environment. So when I had an eating disorder, I was obsessed with fashion and I lived in a modeling apartment in New York City where eating disorders were completely normalized and disordered eating was talked about regularly. Weight loss was encouraged. My eating disorder thoughts were filling my brain because I was in an extremely toxic environment where that was all people thought about. And when I quit modeling, I was able to stop taking on all of these disordered thoughts that the community kept reinforcing. So are you in an environment that's reinforcing your eating disorder thoughts? And if so, I just want you to recognize that leaving that environment could be extremely beneficial for your recovery. And this could be a group of friends. This could be a sports team. This could be a sorority or a fraternity or a gym you belong to. Many environments perpetuate diet culture because it's so normalized to do this. And 
So many people see it as something that will improve their lives, right? They haven't been exposed to the anti-diet thinking yet. Most people never will. Like, I, unfortunately, many people will never be exposed to this. But if you really want to break free from your eating disorder thoughts, you need to find a group of people who are anti-diet and aligned with food freedom and body acceptance and recovery. So I'm not saying you have to abandon all your friends and family if they're obsessed with dieting. Of course, that's an unfair, unnecessary ask. But I do encourage you to, if you can, remove yourself from some groups that you feel comfortable leaving temporarily. And if possible, find groups that do support your recovery. And of course, there are communities like the Recovery Collective out there and other YouTubers or podcasters Instagrammers, TikTokers who can help you fill your mind with anti-diet thoughts. These content creators are people offering you new ways to think and they are normalizing body acceptance and food freedom. And you recognize that you can find people who are aligned with this. And once you do that, your eating disorder thoughts will start to diminish. Okay, my fifth tip for breaking free from eating disorder thoughts is to be mindful of what you are saying out loud and recognize that what you verbalize makes a difference in your life. And this can be broken down sort of in two ways. First, I want you to make a commitment to stop verbalizing your eating disorder thoughts out loud. And of course, you can verbalize these thoughts in therapy and with your team, but if you find that you're still engaging in diet talk with your social group, it's not going to benefit your recovery. So please stop complaining about your body to other people. Stop being the food police in social situations. Do not talk about dieting. Do not commiserate with people about how guilty you feel about what you ate or how you cheated on your diet, etc. Please stop verbalizing these disordered thoughts and can feel really indulging to talk about these things with others because you might feel connected or maybe it's a much more easy subject to talk about than legitimate thought-provoking topics. Like it's a nice, easy, breezy conversation. But honestly, if you want to be fully aligned with recovery, you must stop perpetuating diet culture thoughts out loud socially. Again, you can say these things in therapy. What you verbalize matters. And if you verbalize these things, you will be reinforcing your internal eating disorder thoughts. So my other component, so the second component to language is please be mindful about how you talk about yourself and your recovery. You must have your own back. And I want you to speak positively about who you are, and your outcome with recovery. Starting today, I want you to begin to verbalize the wins you experience out loud to your friends, to your family, to your team, to the people who know about your eating disorder. I want you to celebrate how hard you're trying, how far you've come, acknowledge how relentless you are, how persistent, how strong, how courageous. Speak kindly and speak optimistically 
about what you are doing to change your life and give yourself credit and speak lovingly about who you are and your recovery. If you are outwardly mean and cruel to yourself and rigid with how you think about yourself and how you think about your future, you are setting yourself up for a very, very difficult time. So try not to limit your identity as someone who is going to struggle forever with this. Do not speak in definitive statements such as always, forever, or I can't, or like you need to think more flexibly and verbalize things that set you up for a true recovery outcome. And I know that's like a little woo-woo to speak your outcomes into existence, but I truly believe it does help battle those eating disorder thoughts. And my final tip for you today is that if you really want to battle and break free from the eating disorder thoughts you have, you need to start eating foods that satisfy you regularly, and you need to start eating enough food. Your body and your brain is programmed to survive, and one of its survival tactics is to constantly remind you about food when you're in a state of being undernourished. So in order to battle that obsession with food, you actually need to eat plenty of food. So that's baseline. If you are doing, quote, well with your physical rehab, but you still have mental thoughts, maybe you're still not eating enough. So in order to quiet those eating disorder thoughts and have less of them, you need to eat more. We also know that an undernourished brain is more likely to experience anxiety. So if you're having a lot of anxious thoughts, that's also a result of not eating enough. So to quiet down the eating disorder thoughts and to eventually eliminate them, you need to eat plenty of food. Once you've done that, I really want you to focus on finding foods that satisfy you. I know for me, a huge shift in my food obsession happened. So I stopped obsessing over food when I started listening to what I actually wanted in the moment. So I would go to a restaurant and I would actually order the burger with fries, which sounded delicious and amazing to me in the moment, then forcing myself to have like a soup and salad or something like that. Like I really went for exactly what I wanted in the moment. And what I found was I stopped ruminating on that food experience. The food experience became pleasurable, exciting, and once it was over, I was able to leave it at the restaurant. I didn't have to think about what could have happened or what should have happened. It was more, okay, I gave myself permission to have what satisfied me. I picked the best food choice for my healthy self, and all of the eating disorder thoughts quieted down. So Bottom line here is if you are all struggling with eating disorder thoughts, it's not just about mentally healing those thoughts and challenging those thoughts. It's recognizing and owning the fact that you still aren't eating enough and you need to eat more. And then you need to start eating variety and eat foods that satisfy you mentally. 
That is truly a major part of the component when it comes to breaking free from your eating disorder thoughts. All right, everyone, there you have it. Those are my six tips for breaking free from eating disorder thoughts. I know that this is a real challenge for so many of you, and just have patience with yourself and where you're at. Recovery is messy. It's a process with so many highs and lows, but the beauty of it is that you do learn so much about yourself and about life along the way. You will become a wise old soul when you make it through this process, I promise you. So hang in there. Keep going. Recovery is worth it. I know I'm not the first one to say this, but it truly is worth the battle and it is worth the fight. And hold on. Whenever you feel like you can't cope, turn on this podcast and fill your brain up with positive recovery thoughts. It can be your coping skill. All right. That's it, everyone. And thank you for listening to another show. And next week is the 100th episode. So please stay tuned. It's going to be another solo show. I know you are going to love it. Thanks again. And I'll catch you next time.